1: Hello and welcome to Level Up, the esports and gaming show with me, Nathan Bliss, esports and gaming writer at Reach PLC. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Daniel Ringland, the head of Valorant esports, EMEA at Riot Games. Daniel, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you, first of all?
2: Uh, the pleasure is all mine. Um, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing really well. Uh, we've just had a, a pretty uh, a successful Masters uh, campaign, which I think was great. Um, the sun is shining here in Berlin, and the team's be- busily getting ready for uh, the, the next stage of the VCT, so
1: all is well. Perfect, perfect. And I know I, I gave a rundown of your role there, but can you just explain the responsibilities that you've got and, and what you do at Right Games for us?
2: Yep, sure. So I'm the head of Valorant Esports for European Union, uh, as we call it, um, and effectively what that means is that I'm responsible for building out the entire ecosystem of Valorant Esports, from uh, the bottom of the pyramid through to the top, um, across all of the 70-odd countries that exist within the region known as India.
1: Perfect. And what is your background? Are you a gamer, a hardcore gamer, and how did you get into the industry? (laughs) How how far
2: back do you typically like to go? (laughs) As far (laughs) back as you want. I would be somewhat somewhat dating myself, but that's fine. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I've always been a a hardcore gamer. Um, PC was actually, uh, actually my first console was a CD Master System. So there you go, there's a carbon dating. Um, But uh, PC was where I think I kind of began to identify as a gamer. Um, so in high school I played a, a lot of Counter Strike. Um before that, uh, Duke Nukem 3D played on the dialogue modem with some of my friends it was like a quite an early uh, uh social gaming experience that's that's really precious to me. Um played a lot of Battlefield, played a lot of Call of Duty, particularly Call of Duty four is a, a big game. When I kind of think back to my gaming roadmap. Um and yeah, a, obviously gotten into other games and genres along the way. Um, League of Legends, including, but my, my number one genre has for sure always been, um, yeah, FPS. For sure.
1: Cool. And I just want to, obviously you're a hell of Valorant eSports. So I just wanted to talk about Valorant success. I mean, it's, it only came out in 2020 and it's already one of the most popular eSports. And I was just looking at the most watched games on Twitch in the last seven days uh, by average concurrent viewers. Uh, And Valorant's fourth, only behind League of Legends, GTA, and Just Chatting, which you can't really count. It's not a game. Uh, So third, really, in the list. And that's higher than CSGO, Apex Legends, Fortnite, Dota 2, FIFA 22, Warzone, Elden Ring. um, So a lot of huge, huge titles. I just wanted to ask you, first of all, why do you think Valorant is so popular? Mm.
2: At the core of it, it's an extremely good game. And I think that is a critical ingredient to creating a top-tier eSport. The game itself needs to be awesome. People need to love it. They need to want to play it. Uh, it needs to be more than two-dimensional in that it needs to have cool art, cool story. You need communities to spring up and you need people doing fan art that other people really like. You need cosplay. Um, you need all these other kind of bits that attach itself to the universe, but the, the core, of the, the nucleus of it is very much the game needs to be great. Um, and I'm sure everyone will have this opinion on it, but as you said from the stats, a lot of people agree with me that Valorant is an extremely game. Um, so I think that's kind of the ingredient number one. I think ingredient number two is that it needs to continue to be great. And by that, I mean, uh, as, as people have seen with League of Legends, The game that we shipped is not the game that exists today. Um, It's constantly improved. It's constantly upgraded. New things are added that are cool. Sometimes new things are added that are not cool that are then taken away. Um, The game needs to kind of live and be able to grow and evolve and and keep people interested. Um, They're kind of the the two points when it comes to the game. Um, And then, of course, I I, I do see esports as being a a really important ingredient to to making sure a game can kind of. Become that multi generation that that Riot is is very much aiming for.
1: Yeah, and you mentioned eSport there. Um, obviously, Riot Games have got history with League of Legends, uh, one of the the biggest esports ever. And obviously, that's that's an older game, but it's been it's been developed. There's new metas all the time. They're constantly changing things, constantly changing the ecosystem with with other updates and keeping people on their toes. Um, you mentioned there about about games constantly changing but is there anything else that makes Valorant a great esport in your opinion as opposed to just a game what what makes Valorant a great esport that people like competing in and watching as well
2: yeah so yeah I I think the the game the game is definitely kind of step one but uh, you need a great game to have a good esport but you won't necessarily have a good esport because you have a, a um, so the the things that I think have been key ingredients to balance success um are that when you think of the competitive pyramid, we've attacked very much like all levels of it. Um and what I mean by that is we obviously have international play, high stakes, best of the best of the best competing. Um that's really cool. Like those moments are really amazing and they're really exciting. And as a fan, you get a chance to be extremely happy and also you get a chance to be extremely sad, which means next time you are happy, it feels better because you got to ride the roller coaster. So we've got that kind of top tier of, of the pyramid and I think we're doing, um, yeah, we're, we're off to a great start there. Um, we got a long way to, to go with, with eSports um, at, at all layers of the ecosystem. Um, but when you consider, like you mentioned earlier, like the age of, of the game and the age of the sport, I think our international scene is in, in pretty good shape. Um, the other the other key ingredient that I, I think we're we're well positioned for is at the very bottom of the pyramid, um, the with the amateur. Uh, what, like traditional sports, if if you have a lot of people competing in the in the amateur leagues, Division Twelve of the you know London Cup or, or whatever it might be. That's all going to have several knock-on effects that contribute to more players play, more players competing professionally. The best of the best will be better when there's more people competing at an amateur. Um, and it also converts into fandom as well. Um, so one of the things I'm really proud of when I think of the ecosystem we've built is our BRCs, um, our regional circuits that exist across EMEA, um, which are doing really well. Um, there's one here in Dach called Project V, um, which is a, a ladder-type circuit, and it has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of teams participating. And then some of those teams, are, one of those teams has now been promoted into the Vierra, into the which is the next tier. Um, but I think really uh, building out those circuits which seek to include all the third-party tournaments that happen, kind of bundle them up and make them part of the uh, – greater than the sum of their parts, so to speak. Um has been a really important um, yeah, ingredient to our success as well. Uh, and then in between those we we have the, the national leagues. I think one of the challenges of EMEA is that it is seven believe it's seventy one countries, and I don't think there's anyone in the world who identifies as I am an eman. It's, it's it's a geographical group. Um, so building out those national leagues, but the eight of them we have, I think, has been really important, both to create a second tier of competition, again, for the talent development situation, but also to kind of scratch that national itch that people have when, when they're cheering on a sport. Um, so I, I feel particularly good about that. Um, and then the final ingredient, I think, which is becoming more important, and more obvious to um, people as time goes on, is the diversity and inclusion. Uh, I think this is where Game changes has been. So great um, at bringing a whole bunch of new teams. We've got a game changes going on right now. We've got a record number of teams participating. The last game changes had a record number, as did that. So we've done each one has had more and more and more people participating. Um, and I think that again, like I would kind of classify that as the middle of the of the pyramid, but it attracts a total different group of people who might not necessarily feel welcome or comfortable playing um, in in the VRLS. Um so yeah, that, that'd kind of be the, the fourth piece of the puzzle that I think's been part of the fast success that we've seen.
1: That's really interesting. You mentioned about the, the national leagues and how you can get promotion if you're good enough and that kind of thing. Is that is that a unique thing with Valorant? Because just thinking about, you know, if you're a good Call of Duty Warzone player, for example, or a good FIFA player, and you knew you're pretty good, but you and you knew there was professional players who exist. I, I, I wouldn't know where to go if you think you're good enough to be a professional player. So to have those leagues there to know what you're aiming for and that you know right games are watching you and, and thinking, oh, this team's done this, let's promote them to this. There's like a clear pathway from, from amateur to, to pro in a way. Is that is that something that's unique in, in Valorant? I think the
2: concept of having multiple tiers of competition that ladder up to become a path to pro is not unique to Valorant and many sports and many esports do it but I think what we've done um, that's a little bit different is with uh, for example with the VRLs the Vr they're all they're all called VRLs so they feel that they're, connect, they're connected but they're also um, so Spanish VRLs what VRL Spain Rising for example so we kind of Try to capture the both best in both worlds, where it can feel special and unique to Spain, with the branding sort of thing, but it also feels like it's part of this, part of this uh, uh, officially And that was done to address what you said is um, to make it easy for people to kind of know what the ecosystem is, what entry points there are. Okay, how good am I? All right, this is the entry point that makes sense for me, and find their way into the pyramid at the level that makes sense. Whereas with some um other sports and, and esports, all the pieces are there, but they're not really joined very well. They're potentially operated by different parties. Um whereas ours, we're trying to keep it like super super cohesive so that you can look at it from the outside and go, Okay, cool, that, that makes sense. This is all this this is the one I should play in. Where do I go? I go here. I'm gonna go do that now and they get involved.
1: And just asking for a friend really. Um what makes a a great a great professional Valorant player, in your opinion? I've I've played a little bit, and um, I'm not very good because I'm not a very good Warzone player either. I've got like below one KD, so I'm not really uh I'm not really great. It's asking for a friend, in your opinion, what <laughs> makes a uh, a professional Valorant player? And I'm I'm gonna get my notepad out.
2: <laughs> well, I can tell you what I am in the fortunate position of getting to listen to many experts speak about. It. So what I will share to you is not coming from personal experience because a, a great Valorant player, I am not. Uh, I'm, I'm currently languishing in bronze, and I kind of bounce between bronze and silver. Um, but I, I think again, there's a there's a few ingredients. Raw skill is kind of the base level. Like that's the table stakes of what you get involved, but that'll that'll only take you um, so far. Um, on top of that, I think the the additional ingredients are your communication and your needs to be really good. Um, and communication and teamwork are like easy things to like say and understand as a concept, but really, really difficult to be truly elite. Uh, and I think when you look at a lot of the best teams and a lot of the best players, sure they're really good at a game, but they're also really good team members um, and, and they're really good team as well. So I, I think that's one of the important ingredients that is also hard to develop because these are deep personal skills that take many years to to hold over time, right? And then I think with Valorant in particular, I would say resilience, um, you know, or the mental, as, as it's also referred to, it can be a really hard game. Um, and other teams can go on runs where they're just a huge amount of momentum and it's loss after loss, the economy's in bad shape, blah, blah, blah. And having the you know, mental resilience to kind of weather that storm, know that you are still good and you are still good enough to compete. Keep it positive. Try to keep your teammates positive if they're, uh, you know, at risk of a little tilt. Um, I think that's the other really important thing. And, again, like that's something that's like, super hard to 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 develop. Like you don't just – you can't just sit down and grind your way through the ranks of becoming more and more resilient. Um, mm-hmm. It it takes time and and self-awareness and a large investment into your your personal development.
1: I think that's really interesting you talking about communication because that's not something we've gone... Too far into in the podcast, um, talking about professional esports players. We've normally talked about the skill levels, as you said, the raw skill that's involved to be a competitive player. Also, talk about things like resilience, um, being under pressure, performing in the biggest moments, um, not being able to wilt under the pressure as well is, is a big one. But communication is not something we touched on. I think it's really important what you said, and I think, um, Matt's listening to the producer, um, and I think we can attest that uh, our communication sometimes isn't the best, even though we know each other very well. Um, and uh, when we get it right, we get it right. When we get it wrong, we get it very wrong. And that kind of, it shows, it it a, has a massive impact on performance in game. And with, on, with Valorant as well. On top of that, sorry.
0: Nathan, sorry, no, just God. to add in, on top of that, <laughs> when it does go right, there's such, there's such a feeling of like achievement and accomplishment and teamwork, like that. That like like yesterday on Warzone we had a win, um, and it was because of good communication. It wasn't because either one of us were like our brilliant Warzone players. It's because we communicated so well, mm. and it felt like we deserved the win because of that. And that is something that I think like gets forgotten about because everyone's just worrying about high kill games and and things like that. So in the competitive, mm. team, it feels like. It makes perfect sense that communication would probably be one of the biggest factors as to whether or not you're going to be a successful team or not
2: yeah yeah i think i think you're right i think the victory you get when potentially the other team was better than you but your teamwork and your communication was what got you over the line i think in some of my games i think they're actually more rewarding um at times um you know i've had games where um you know, we've had like an AF game, it's been 4v5, and you know, obviously that's the end of a good situation to be in. But the, the teamwork of the people that like kind of came together on the floor team and, and we've won, happened a few times, not many, obviously. But that's been some of the coolest moments of, of gaming. Um, so, yeah, I think it's
1: think
2: it's
1: You've got the added dimension as well with esports, haven't you, where players are changing teams all the time? So, and you, a player comes into a team, they mm-hmm. might not know the other players on the team. And there's there's got to be a lot of you've got to have the right character to fit into that team. And then you've got to have the practice and getting to know the player's individual play style and that kind of thing. So, there's that added element of it. And if you can get that communication right when you don't even know the people in your team that well, or when you're new, you can be the best variant player in the world, come into a mm-hmm. new team. But if you haven't got that relationship with the other players, then it's really difficult. perform at the level you know you can so there's that there's that added element as well in in esports isn't there
2: yeah totally i think when it comes to communication like every single person communicates in a different way we're we're all very different we're all we're all all unique some of us very similar to the others but there's, there's always differences and i think communicating well with people does require a bit of an understanding of like who they are how do they communicate how do they like feedback? Would they prefer it quick and pointy, or would they prefer it a bit more considered and padded with some niceties on each end? Like all of those sorts of things, you, you get to know over time as you get to know the person. Um, and of course, when you switch teams, you don't come in with that knowledge. Like you, you don't know what sort of feedback people like. Um, and, and it takes time to kind of learn. And also, I think when you play a team, that new person could completely shake up some of the some of the dynamic, right? Because they clearly replace somebody who was contributing X, Y, and Z, and now this new person comes in, and maybe they don't contribute X, Y, and Z. You know, they contribute X, C, and I don't know, B, or whatever it might be. So everything's got to kind of the wheels, the cogs have got to kind of relearn how to um, work together in a different way, um, and that takes time.
1: Yeah, and I just want to move on to you talk about things coming together and, and people, you know, working together towards one goal. And th- there's something that that is kind of not rife, but th- there are people out there that don't want to do that. And they take, you know, things into their own hands with cheats and things and trying to bypass certain things to to get better in a way that's not organic to try and kind of boost themselves up. And how how do you... We've seen that a lot in, in Warzone and other esports as well. Um, how do you... Um, Try to get rid of that, or try and reduce that as much as you can at Riot Games. Is that something that you that you work on all the time?
2: It's not. It's not something that we touch too much in in on the sports side. Um, Sure, you've Riot has invested fairly large amount of resources into making Valorant as safe from cheats as, as humanly possible. It's obviously never something that you tick tick the box and say yes, this is done. It's a it's a constant, um, it's a constant battle. Um, so Riot right does invest quite, quite heavily in it. Um, we're quite fortunate in that some of the, some of the work that's been done there has made it easier for us to do our roles. When we're having things like open qualifiers and people are playing from home, it, we can be a lot more confident that they are, who, like they're not cheating, they are, who they say are things like that because of all the technology that's been built by. By Riot and because of how vigilant that that team is. Um, so, like depending on where you're looking at the period, it can be super super important. So, like no one wants to compete in um, I don't know an open cup in Spain if you know or you strongly suspect that there's people on the other teams that achieve. Um, it just ruins the whole experience for for everybody. Um, so yeah, it's it's really good to see that that's why riots and so heavily in.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And when when I remember when I installed Valorant, there was like a thing that come up said anti cheat, and they installed it straight away. So there's that there's that protection in the game as well. And I think it, it's uh, it's really important, especially in in esports. But great to see the investment that that um, that Riot Games have invested in. That's really good to see. Um, yeah. So what about the future of Valorant? Then you said that you, obviously it's a pretty new game in comparison to the other e- major esports like League of Legends, Dota, CS:GO. Where do you see the future of Valorant? Where where is it going and what are fans got to look forward to in the future with Valorant?
2: Yeah. So when I when I look at our competitive pyramid and like in that, like just to recap it, we've got the VRCs, the amateur, we've got the national, we've got the VRL, um, and then we've got we've got game changers, um, and obviously the, the top tier and any international events. I feel like all the pieces of the puzzle are 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 in place. Um I like what we built, I like how that connects. Um, for sure we haven't like, mastered any of it. Like we've got a lot more improving and a lot more learning to do. Um, but I kind of when I look at our, our structure, the national leagues in particular, like I, I feel really good about those. Um so so for sure we'll be continuing to invest in those. Um, the amateur space again. I think of when I think of like what we've invested in there as far as effort and what's come back, it, it looks really good. Um, so that's something that you'll, you'll continue to see us um, in invest time in. Um, same with game changes. Um, the The hope for game changes is, is that it makes itself obsolete at some point. If it's done its job in a few years, we don't need it anymore because we've brought more diversity to the wide wider ecosystem. That will take time. it's It's a pretty big um, ambition. Um, but it's it's very much is the goal of of that program. um but we're aware that it's gonna take time and it's gonna need care and there and, um, and then yeah the 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 elite division um, yeah we we feel pretty good about that. Um, there's a lot of tweaks and um, we will be sharing kind of specifics with each of these at, at some point about what we think it's gonna it's gonna look like. but yeah I, I think that most of the pieces are there they just need kind of refining
1: and uh, iterating and i wanted to touch on the future of esports generally because obviously the whole world um has gone through the well we're still in the pandemic at the moment and we're still trying to get out of it as best we can um and a lot of people have said that that's kind of led to esports has grown anyway but it's kind of led to a, a massive growth um with obviously people spending more time at home um, not being able to go out. So they kind of turn to that as, uh, as a, as an alternative in a way. Um, where do you see the future of esports sports um, going? I mean, there's always like Valorant only came out two years ago and there's always going to be a new esport coming out. Um, and there's, we, we talked to a lot of people who says that, um, kind of when mobile gaming really takes off you took a look at the steam deck for example something that's come out that allows you to play AA, AAA games on the go when it becomes fully mobile then you're going to have a much more wider audience um and a much more a bigger player base as well well i'm just interested to hear your thoughts on where you see esports going and the growth of the industry as well
2: yeah i think you're right um the pandemic kind of fast fast forwarded things a, a bit um that, that's for sure. um, I think we want to get to at least is once we've, it, for Valorant we're kind of laying the foundations at, at the moment, we're, we're building a lot of the fundamentals, um, but, but once we have those I'd really like to start to innovate uh, a bit more and try to find ways to use technology in more exciting ways than, than we currently do. Um, you know like when you look at our, our broadcast like it, I think there's a lot more we could do there to leverage the fact that we're a video game as opposed to a physical sport. We have all that technology. I don't know what this looks like. This is just an area that I think about and, I'm like, there's got to be room for for innovation here. Um, so I, I do expect that that's something we'll be able to invest more time in um, and come up with cool things that we can't even grasp right right now. Um, and it's it's something that Riot does. Like, we do care about continuity to in- innovate and um, the status quo and come up with new fan experiences. So that's a pretty, uh, almost a non-answer answer. Um, but I, I think the coolest things that will exist in five years of eSports we, we don't know what they are right now. Um, and I think the way we find find them is by creating a culture of iteration and experimentation within, within the teams and within the community and the pro teams and, and everybody, like everybody can get together and innovate here. Um, and that's something that's definitely uh, very important to us. But yeah, for mine, I, I really think there's so much more we could do with with the watch experience. There's a lot of cool ideas just sitting there waiting to be done.
0: There's yeah, uh, but- something you you were saying like about community as well, um, and go kind of going back to the where where you're talking about what makes what makes a good eSport. I think the other other thing, like from from what I can tell, is in regards to cheating and all that sort of stuff, like there's a community in valor like we all know warzone has quite a toxic community, right? Uh, or quite a negative community if you want to be kind. um it but it seems like you've managed to sort of foster a, a much more positive, much more inclusive community, which probably leads to uh people not wanting to take advantage of the game in the same in the same way. Um, I mean, you've got people like, was it Shroud that decided to quit Warzone and play Valorant um, exclusively? Is that something that you guys notice, like when something like that happens? And is the community like a focus to, to sort of build like a positive culture?
2: Yeah, yeah. In, in, in short, yes. Um, I think that's another area where Riot's made a lot of investment, that needs to continue to, to do so. Um helping the community like stay safe and creating a community where people don't have to deal with abuse and, and things like that, I think is is really important. S- super hard as well, obviously, which is why it has remained elusive from like so many games, right? Um, but I think that's really, really important because like with esports, we're trying to create fandom is people gathering around a thing that they love that they all love to experience it together you don't want to do that if there's people in that are doing that with you that are jerks or they don't like you or they make you feel unsafe or whatever that might be um, yeah so so continuing to make sure safe and um, healthy places to be super
1: yeah and uh, apologies for for my, my question earlier i mean it's a very open question asking you to look into the crystal ball in five years time because like you said no no one knows what's going to the next big thing or the next big innovation that's going to come out and you you guys might be the ones to do that um but i think that's what makes the industry so exciting because you never know what's around the corner there's always something new there's always a new meta to look forward to there's always something else to to see some of the cool technologies that are coming out and there's always another game um who knows? Like you said, where where it's going to go, and I think that's what. Do you think that's what gives esports an advantage over traditional sports? Is that innovation in the industry?
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it, innovation requires taking risks, um, and then taking risks requires like the company to like encourage that, but also support you. Um, so I think like CoStream or watch parties, as we call them, is probably one example where. Um they're, they're, relatively, they're relatively new. And when they came as an idea, there was a lot of risk behind that. People were like, well, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And if we do this, what's going to happen in three years? We didn't have all those answers. Um, but we thought, okay, you know what? Like, there's clearly some demand from the fans for co-streaming and watch parties. we are going to give it a try. And we dipped our toe in the water and we did more and then we did more. And now, obviously, it's become a fairly main part of the program. Um, so I, I think that's kind of a core part of innovation that, that Riot, in particular, is is quite good at is being encouraged to take risks um, and knowing that it's okay to to make a mistake. you like as long as you learn from it and, and adapt and that. Uh, um, so yeah, and, and it is absolutely also part of what's so exciting about being in esports. Um, the, the team here, like we expected each other. To to innovate and to experiment, like it, it's not like a perk or a luxury. It's part. It's an expectation for for part of the role, um, and yeah, a lot of a lot of great things have come from that today. date. And no doubt, if we keep doing it, a lot of great things will come from it in the future. Particularly if we're always kind of thinking about the fans and like what's important to them. Fans like this might not fit our business model. All right, let's take a risk on doing it and see what happens. Um, that's how we'll do the yeah really cool shit.
1: <laughs> and yeah i think it's it's great when companies take a risk especially you know big publishers you know like right right games for example and i think it's really easy to see when publishers don't take a risk with the game or they play it safe it's very 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 obvious um and um sometimes you can go a bit over the top with that and take take more risks and it doesn't doesn't pay off and there's there's a loads of challenges but i think um innovation we're going to see a lot more of hopefully in the next couple of years and um yeah, it's just an exciting time to be involved in the industry. There's there's lots of cool things happening um, all all around the industry, and um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be an exciting couple of years. Guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh... Uh, thank you, Daniel. Really appreciate your time um, and yeah, how busy you are. So, thank you so much. Fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for for coming on, and uh, wish you all the best in the future.